Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Mark Purcell. And I'm Timothy Plain. Each week we discuss a different filmmaking topic, and this week we have a really fun guest. Uh, Vinny Van Wyk is on the show. Uh, if you've been listening the last uh, six months or so, you might have heard uh, about Dissolve, uh, one of our sponsors on the podcast. So Vinny is, I, I don't know, like, would you call yourself a Dissolve filmmaker, or you're just a filmmaker who uses Dissolve? Like, what, what, what is your title officially? Uh, it would be a contributor, would be the appropriate title, I guess. A right? contributor, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Vin, Vinny is somebody who actually uses Dissolve uh, to, to make a living, or, or at least partially. Um, so yeah, I th- thought it would be really interesting to talk to him about what it means to, um, you know, do, uh, uh, stock footage on, um, you know, a regular basis and then actually, you know, contribute to, to one service or multiple services. Uh, so yeah, Vinny, how you doing, man? Hey, good. Thanks for uh, having me on the show here, guys. Yeah, of course. Um, so before we get started into all the questions and just like, you know, getting deep into into who you are as a filmmaker and then the stock footage thing, do you want to just give us a quick uh, one minute bio of who you are and, and what you do? So, yeah, I'm a filmmaker here. I uh, just recently moved to the Seattle, Washington area. I uh, go back and forth to New York quite a bit. I uh, was based there for a couple of years. Um, and I have a production company, uh, Cabja Concepts also do uh, stock video as we're as we're talking about so i i reached out to dissolve and i asked them if they have a filmmaker that they'd like us to talk to because um i, I wanted to talk to somebody who had used stock footage and through the dissolve website and made some money off of it and was supporting themselves through it and the first name they came back to me with was Vinny. and there's a really cool kind of what four minute piece or something on their website, which we'll put in the show notes that kind of explains who Vinny is. And I was really excited because it seemed like he was doing it full time. And then as I dug into a little deeper, it seems like Vinny, you moved from New York to Seattle and now you have your own production company. It seems like you're doing less stock footage and maybe more commercial projects. Is Yeah. So I started, uh, I have a production company. I started about seven years ago. Um, and so the, yeah, so it's, it's kind of a split um, and between doing productions and still continuing to do stock footage. Okay, cool. Did you start the production company in New York? No, actually it was started here. I, I was born and raised in northeastern Washington state, and then I relocated to central Washington, um, and that's where, the, where, the, where I started the production company. How, how did you end up in New York then? Um, so yeah, I, I have an um, organization that I was volunteering, and so I was invited to come back and work uh, for the organization, and it was a, a worldwide broadcast, uh, which was a pretty exciting opportunity. Many of you were invited, so I uh, took the opportunity, drove across the country, and, and worked back there for a little while. Yeah, okay, cool. So I know in like, watching that little documentary about you, it says that you did some other careers and maybe started some other businesses before you went into filmmaking. Can you like give us, I don't know, like a, a few minute like breakdown of like sure. what happened, where you grew up in the West Coast. Did you go to college and did you graduate and start a business right away? Like kind of what was your trajectory into filmmaking? Yeah, no, good question. So I actually started doing business when I was about 11 or 12 years old. So I, oh, wow. I was a serial entrepreneur. Um, when at the time I was... I was kind of those 
weird kids that sat there and thought a lot <laughs> when I was, uh, you know, so like six years old, I was drawing, like, uh, I remember designing like a shoe that was like the Nike shock shoe. And uh, I was designing all these different things and trying to become up with inventions. And so um, I saw that what I wanted to do is I'm heavily involved in ministry. And, and, and so I wanted, as I was looking at a career path, I really wanted something that would allow me to do that. But also I wanted to really live and travel and do different things. I had so many interests in the arts and, and other things. So I did not want to be kind of tied down to a, to a desk or, or locked into something. So I was really, really right. uh, fired up about being an entrepreneur. So different, I've been in almost, I don't know how many, I lost count in the industry. So I mean, anywhere from the vinyl industry, I was working in experimental uh, vinyls for snowboards, skateboards, was a company I was trying to launch. When I was in high school, I was selling... I had an online mall. I could. I was trying to sell the principal a car to other students, like I mean, belts, <laughs> stereos, like you name it. Like I, I had studied art in school, which took me to um, took me to like studying anatomy. I was really interested in anatomy, and so I like working in the healthcare industry. So it it led me. I I actually lived briefly back in Illinois for a little while, and that's kind of where it started. That implanted the idea of becoming a personal trainer, and so here I was in a gym in central Washington and they had brought up about doing some video stuff. And now how I really got introduced to video in the first place was in high school in, uh, we had a program, very interesting because I lived just to give you an idea of, <laughs> of the, how small the school is. There was 22 in my graduating class oh my and, gosh. and there was, there was kindergarten through 12 was all in one building. What, so, what, what was the town's name? It's called Wilbur, Wilbur, Wilbur. Washington. And what was the population of Wilbur? Oh, man. Um, you know, I really don't know. I mean, it wasn't big. I mean, because the other thing is that it's so spread out. It's all wheat farming community is where. Mm. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I grew up because I, I grew up where there's mountains and, and, and a lot of uh, I lived out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, we were talking my nearest neighbor was four miles. Right. So well, you want to talk about a country kid. Yeah. According to Wikipedia, population was 884 in 2010. There you go. Yeah. That's small. Yeah. So, and then there's these outlining areas you go for miles and miles. And so, um, but what's interesting is a school that size, what had happened is there was a, um, a wealthy man who had passed away and, and, and gave his money to an advisor at the school. This advisor used the money to create a broadcast station. They had this extra room in the school, went full on. Um, at that time, we were working with the first mini DV cameras, those little digital cassettes. Yeah, of course. Um, they weren't in the States for another couple of years. We hadn't shipped from Taiwan, had to, had to change the menus to English. It was pretty crazy. But um, yeah, the editing stations and green screens, I mean, we're, we're like, it's, it, was pretty, it was pretty intense. That's uh, amazing. Yeah, for, for a little teeny farm town community. And so what we would do is we would be in front of the camera. We'd go down and interview like the baker. You would get a new bagel or... <laughs> you know, we, you know, that they get a new ice cream flavor over at the burger place or milkshakes, and we'd go like cover that, you know. And so we'd like do little community news, um, but we'd also cover like the games, and and then we do editing, and we had our own comedy shows. So like that's how I actually got introduced to the camera. Um, and so I was going to go on to film school. I was going to go to New York, and we got all set oh, up. And, and okay. yeah, yeah, I was on on my way, and I realized that. You know, after I got a couple some feedback and I saw the intensity level was needed three, you know, three years, um, and then the the actual rate, you know, the risk of, of of going, you had to give basically everything. And again, as I got back to what I said previously, I wasn't, I just felt like it was too much of an investment, too high of a risk. And so, 
I wanted, so I, I literally like, and again, I had other interests. So this is what kind of led me, prevented me from going to New York to the film academy. And so I, I didn't do anything. I just put it on the shelf. Like I, I, you know, I, so I decided to go off and do other things. I had a landscape business is another thing I did for a while. Um, you know, yeah, <laughs> wow. just complete, yeah, just but crazy. Like just it's... trying to, you know, figure out different things. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, it's so interesting that you're talking about like being a serial entrepreneur because we talk so much about, you know, the art of filmmaking, but in doing this podcast, I realized how much more of filmmaking does become like running your own business. And you really remind me of um, somebody we just had on a few episodes ago, Ed Ng, who also kind of did similar thing to you. And he had his own different or was in different industries and he had his own businesses and then ended up coming to filmmaking a little later in life. And he's so successful, I think, because he's treating it like a business and he's treating it like a startup, like he has to like figure out how to make money and it's not just about the art of it. Yeah, absolutely. So, Ulrich, are you still there? I wonder if Ulrich is even there. Yeah, I'm here. I'm oh, listening. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I haven't heard from you in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm letting you guys talk about the entrepreneurial stuff. Oh, okay. Um, I, I want to get into the to the, the the switch to filmmaking. Yeah. And how that so came about? Did did I have this note down that you didn't get back into filmmaking until you were 36 years old? Is that true? Well, or you're 36 now. <laughs> No, I'm 33 now. Oh, so. Why do I have this note I, still? I don't know. You emailed me about I it. Know, I know. I emailed so. you about it. Okay, so you're you're 33 now. Yep. And how old were you when you got back into filmmaking, when you came so, back to it? So I was at that when I was talking about it, I was at this gym. So this is fast forward from when I was in high school uh, was to when I was 24. And so I was at a gym. It was uh, would have been um, actually, let's see, I guess it would have, it, well, is that the right age? No, it was 2011. So right now I'm 33. So if you do the math. Um, so I was in a gym. They started talking about doing this, you know, doing some some fitness video. And so it was interesting because what they outlaid, uh, outlined was very similar to what I had this program that I had in high school. Because what had happened in high school is that we would do this material and it would go out to the community on the, their, their public access channel. And so I kind of had the idea, light bulb went on, hey, why don't we do this? But instead of doing a public uh, access channel, a cable station, why don't we put it out through social media? And so that was the concept. So we tried it. And so I remember the first thing we did was on this little teeny Z8, like Kodak camera, filmed this other trainer, like being, do not be that guy dressed up in this crazy leotard and throwing weights. And, and like, it was crazy because it just went viral. It went, it just, it just went out. I mean, all my clients were coming to say how funny and how watching this video. And so that's where the light bulb went on for me is I thought, wow, this could be something for somebody else. And so when other people, I actually had a couple of businesses ask me, Hey, could you do the same thing? Um, so then I saw this as an opportunity and I got, became very interested yeah, cool. in, in doing filmmaking or, and the model at first was making uh, short little videos, right. Put it out through social media. Um, and I was going to be the sales guy. So the, the story behind my production comes kind of interesting because I was going to be sales and development. I got this team of people together. We're getting ready to launch this thing. My my idea was very big. I, I wanted to be very big and be national. And this is this huge you know vision. Well, we get along. And so my photographers, video people, uh, got an offer from like Disney and a few others right before we, <laughs> we, we like we already had our project. Like we already had our first project. And so this literally would happen is three days before the project, 
I had to I had to scramble get a camera off eBay. My partner and I, I get the I get the camera as a Canon T2i, and I'm just like just have no idea how to use this thing, right? And so we just went and shot, and I shot all of the. I mean, I shot the photos in video mode and I didn't know what ISO meant. I had no idea and just <laughs> struggled and just went through and, and came out with some okay images. The client was happy. So it was like, okay, I think I can, I can do this. So then that's kind of where the fire lit for me was like, okay, uh, the flame, you know, it's like, I wanted to learn this and I was very intrigued um, and just that's put my head. Yeah. So you were kind in. of like, you thought you were going to be more of like a manager style person right. and then you end up being the person operating the camera. But that first time that you did it where you're like, Hey, this is actually really fun. I like doing this. Yes. Yeah. So I had another guy who was a seasoned photographer helping me. Um, but you know, I, I just, so, so it was just, and after that, it's like a bug, you know, just bit me. And so I, I just got on and I, I, everything I've ever done, I'm not good at being a, in the traditional style of schooling. So you know, my, my school was just getting on YouTube and Vimeo and just watching hours and hours of videos and learning what other people are doing and seeing and watching. And I think the one thing I, I mentioned in the, my the, the little biography that, in Dissolve is that I linked back to when I was young, when I would watch movies and they had such a huge effect on me. You know, whatever the subject was, I would think about it, I would just become part of it. And so I saw... Now, fast forwarding that I always had it in me, just didn't realize it was there until I started doing it because I, I think that's what led me to learning it quickly and being passionate about it um, and just keeping rolling. Yeah. Well, you said it's a bug, so it's almost like there's a parasite living inside of you all these years, <laughs> yeah. feeding yeah. off of your soul I, until finally it got big enough to come out. Okay. That's probably not the imagery I would depict, but uh -huh. if you want to go there, yeah. I don't know. It just came in my mind. <laughs> okay. So how much were you getting paid for these little commercials that you were doing? Do you remember? So, yeah, I do. I, 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 I remember because the model was that we were going to do $500 videos um, and just massively pump them out like some sort of yeah. media machine. That was, that was the model because production was so expensive and I was going to come in and undercut everybody and where actually the very first uh, idea was to use these, um, there was a, like a, where you just take a bunch of pictures and throw them into this online software and they kind of make a video for you. <laughs> yeah. And I thought that was the best thing in the world at the time, right? So that's what we were going to do. And uh, that was like revolutionary in my mind. And and so you see real quick, you get into that. There, There is, there are, it is possible, but the type of you know cinematography, the type of uh, productions we wanted to really wanted to create, just wasn't that wasn't going to work. And so saw that you know to really do good work, I mean there's there's a budget for these things, right? So um, so you know you learn that along the way, and and learn to refine the craft, and learn into actually where I wanted to be in the space. Um, mm -hmm. So did so. you go from this like all in price to? starting to bid things out job by job and saying, all right, this one's going to cost a few thousand. This one's going right. to cost, you know, a few hundred and until you've figured out uh, a, a business model around that. Yeah. So, I mean, as you, as you, and I'm sure you guys know when you first started, you know, how things are so different from when you start to where you are now, because, you know, there's realizations, right? So you, you start to see, well, I want to do this quality in this, this uh, project uh, but right. I, that I know there's no way I can do that for this budget. And so you start to see where, you know, then, and I think also for everybody, it's when you first start, you get past that thing, like, you know, I, I you know, I, I don't want to charge somebody that much. Um, 
you know, and so it's like feeling that self-worth and, and having that confidence. Um, but like I would talk to some other people, you know, that were, were very successful in other businesses. And they say, you know, you got to get paid for your time. You know, you do good work. Um, so you got to charge for it. And, and it's, it's not like, you know, you, you know, obviously you're not the other end of the spectrum trying to rip people off. And that was never the goal. Um, and, and so the other thing I, you know, I didn't really say was what really inspired me about video was because having this serial entrepreneur background is that I saw that video was starting to be the medium to really communicate, right? This is, this is like the best, this is your best foot forward in any sort of advertising or just communication in education in training. So I started to see where videos were starting to be used by the biggest companies in the world. Uh, but not only just in these big ads as they had been, but now they're starting to see these little tricklings of just videos on their web pages, um, social media. So I, I, just, I saw that. I saw where that was going to go. And so I thought, if there's any way I could help other entrepreneurs um, to succeed, you know, it would be through this. And so it was nice. After all the time I'd been in sales, you know, you're always trying to persuade somebody to believe what you have is valuable. I really felt like when I went and met with someone and said, hey, I can do this for you. It was, I was just speaking straight truth. Like this is, this is really a viable means of communication to your prospective clients or customers. And it was just a refreshment, right? It wasn't trying, I didn't feel like no longer I was trying to sell somebody, but this is really something that's going to work. Um, so that's what was really attractive to me as well about getting into, you know, filmmaking for the, for business building, right? For professionals mm-hmm. and for other companies. And is that kind of where your business is now? Is it still yeah. based around yeah. that? Yeah. So what I, what I, what I saw after this initial, you know, this idea saw that I wasn't going to work. I said, okay, where, where can we, where is a niche that, or a niche that we can fulfill? And so what I saw doing a lot of research was there, there was production companies there, but there was one I saw, I mean, I was also a musician from, you know, I've been young. And so I saw the connection with music and how powerful it was. So I wanted to focus on, on the, on the music and also the edits being done to the music. Um, there's a lot of videos I saw. They, they just, I think they just threw like some eighties jazz in there and just kind of, you know, that was, that was the standard. Right. And so <laughs> right. it's like, it's good I, enough. yeah, it's good enough. You know, there's, Hey, there's some good shots in there, but, um, so that was one of the things, the other things I saw was, was color. Uh, it was really, you know, how color tells a story. And so the other, and then, then lastly, I, I saw that there was, you know, every professional, uh, whether they're a doctor or orthodontist, they're a financial professional, um, they have a story, right? So these people that start restaurants, these, and everybody loves stories. And so I, I from a kid, I mean, my grandpa, both grandfathers I have are amazing storytellers. My mom, I, I just, you know, so I was, I've always loved stories and I love telling stories. And so I saw, can I, can I put a narrative type feel to a professional video um and that's you know because it says the standard at that time was like you know if you're an orthodontist i got this white coat on looking straight at the camera reading a script hey i'm an orthodontist come you know i'll I'll fix your teeth so i I, you know i wanted to apply something different and the other thing i saw you know having to learn this in a crash course so to speak right i saw I, i had to learn everything very quickly and dive in um, so what I did really at the initial uh, point with using the camera is I saw that lighting was the most technical part of the piece, right? So I just threw that out the window. I said, uh, oh, you know what, I'm just going to take the person and put them next to a window or I'm going to try to just, <laughs> and I, I wasn't, so at first I did, I, I literally did that on purpose. But what's interesting is we did a couple of these videos and then people started talking about the look. It was different. The, the word they started throwing around was authentic, organic. And then I actually started to really use that on purpose. And we came to, 
via DP that doesn't use lights, but just, or I should say available, just right. only available, available light. light. Did you use also, is it just sunlight or also practical light? Just Yeah, and it's funny, bulbs. and this is, this is shows how embarrassing it is sometimes. I got, I was interviewed just, just as, this is just not, I mean, this is a couple of years ago. I was interviewed like by a guy because I was looking to do this project and he's like, he knows what kind of practicals have you used? And I, I asked him what a practical was and, you know, and so he, I didn't get the job. But so well, that's so, you all know, just, you use is practicals. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I had to go research it later. But you know, it, I guess it just kind of shows you. I mean, I was, I was also like, I remember one time a guy was talking about doing a, being a gaffer, and I didn't know what a gaffer was. And you know, so there's there's obviously advantages of really right. being trained. And so when you learn something just raw and rigid, you know, there's maybe you get to dive into certain aspects and you get there faster. But I also saw that okay, I kind of need to, I really need to be more right. studious on the actual terms. And so I was, I mean, it's obviously doing all these things, but didn't know what they were. So, so that's, yeah. So that's what I, what I think my production company, Capture Concepts really tries to, to fill that need is, is like a narrative style uh, in a, in a professional, uh, in a professional arena is kind of where it started. So I'm, I'm curious, Vinny, like going back to that place you were at when you were c considering using that online software to create your videos where you just put footage in there and it would just edit it for you or whatever. Like, how do you go? F like, what do you go from that point? Like to become like a full production company? Like you have your your Rebel T2i camera or whatever. Like, do you buy more gear? Do you have employees? Like, how do you build up? from that point to like, you know, becoming a, a successful company? Yeah, that's a good question. So I, I, what is really interesting, you guys, is that I, you know, I told you, I always dream big. I mean, I, I wanted this thing to be national worldwide. It was like, you know, uh, but it's really interesting. As soon as I started to grow, the problem is anybody knows in business, the more people you have, the more uh, risk you have for problems. And not only just problems, because and even if you have really good people, there's just a need for more of your time and energy in a startup, right? And so I, I realized real quick that, that that as we got to a certain point, cause, and also I should say, when we started the company, the company the idea at the beginning was not just to be involved in film, but it was a one-stop marketing shop. So we did from logos to, uh, to you know branding and did websites, did did the, would do the video, help them diffuse it onto you know their social media. Um, and then every even help with campaigns after that. So it was the idea was kind of like for startups or for companies that were relatively new or just trying to get into the digital age, we could take them and do everything for them altogether. Um, but that I saw that was uh, was not simple, right? It was, there's a lot of moving parts. And so after getting to a certain level, uh, I realized, you know what, this is not what I really want. What I the part that I really loved was the filmmaking part, the video, the video production. So I then kind of went reverse, downsized, and kept a couple people on because um, I started going down the employee route. And then just for me, again, as I mentioned before, my whole reason for doing this was wanting more freedom. My goal was not necessarily making as as the money was not the target. It was having more time and more freedom. Um, so having more of an automated model. Well, that, yeah, that was, I saw, was going the opposite direction, having more people, more employees, just, just more and more and more. So I downsized and then just realized, you know, I needed to focus on the craft, which I felt, you know, that's just coming from a lot of you know, reading different entrepreneurial books and listening to some other mentors about, you know, focusing on what you do well, right? Your strength, your SWOT analysis and, and getting into what you do well and then really focusing on that. So that's that's where it led from there as I realized this is this is what the kind of video I want to do. 
um, you know, watching different things on Vimeo, you know, I realized this is what I like. And so my, what I, how I learned it and how I've taught other people to try to learn um, is just, it is this process of analysis, right? Just completely breaking every video down that you really like and why do you like it and how. And so then that's when that this model was rebuilt into doing what we're doing now. And and then it realized, well, what type of equipment are these people are using and, and what, you know, how are they going about it? And so studying other, other um, models of people were successful and it's kind of how this was created and and different you know went completely different direction um that answers your question that's really i mean it it, it kind of does i mean it, okay. it half it half answers it but okay the, the other half that i'm curious is like you know i can, I can see you're saying you're studying videos you're analysis you're analyzing things uh -huh. you're trying to figure out how to get to this place of of where you want to be and I think a lot of people do that. And I think a lot of our listeners are like, yeah, I watch YouTube videos. Like I want to be making a video like this video or that video, but to actually get to that point where you can actually do it, that's like a different thing. So like, was there a certain camera that you had your eye on or did you just use the Rebel T2i for a long time? Or was it all about just figuring out how to utilize light in order to capture the image that you want? Was it trial and error? Like, like, how did you get to the point to, like, actually create the type of video that you wanted to create based off the, the samples you saw? Yeah, okay. So so that was one thing that started happening was, you know, the T2i, uh, great, great starter camera for that time. But I saw that, you know, okay, these images were produced by different cameras. So we started using, you know, started renting cameras and started building them into the project budgets and started, uh, you know, changing how, where we'd shoot so... You know, as I mentioned, using all, all natural light was the was my favorite. So we'd move different locations. How we'd approach the project. So we started doing like this one project. I remember kind of uh, was about a, a chiropractor. And so instead of having him inside of a room, we said, hey, let's go out to his place where he lives. is a beautiful location and film outside in his own element. Shoot some different kinds of B-roll. Tell you know more storytelling aspects. Um, and so that I think was a big shift where I started to see the you know so-called light and that was moving in the right direction. Um, and then as you just kept progressing with different, you know, and the beautiful thing about renting is you get to try different cameras, right? You get to see what what camera best suits the project and learn more how to use different cameras. Um, and and just kept uh, for me and I it just was just kept studying and looking at the footage we were shooting. Okay, is how close is this getting and it, what else needs to be changed and what else needs to be done? How's the shot angles? And, um, and that's just, I mean, honestly, I, that, that's just what, for me, would just kept down that path and kept getting closer and closer till, um, well, I don't know if anybody ever gets to the image they really want to make, but <laughs> you know, it's, it's getting, getting closer to that. I agree. You get as close to the perfection as you can. And that's what keeps us going. Cause if you ever reach it, then you're like, all right, I did it. So I'm done. So it's good to always be reaching for a little bit more, a little bit more each time. Yeah. So you're really just like, like getting, getting in there and like trying new things, seeing what other people did and how they utilize light and then trying to do that same thing in every video that you approach, you know? So like if you, if you have like a, a corporate video and you're supposed to shoot it inside, maybe shoot it outside. Or, yeah. you know, yep. just, just find the best angle to get the best possible video uh, you can in, in all situations. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. And I think that's something that a lot of, a lot of us try to do, you know, or we always try to do all of us try mm -hmm. to do, right? Like sure. we're always trying to, sure. you know, take the location we're given or the situation we're given and deliver the best possible, um, you know, uh, 
final product, you know, but then I, I think, I think one of the thing I would like to comment on is that along those lines was learning, um, was learning not to settle. And so I think what really helped is having a background as a personal trainer. I was, you know, at, at being in a, put in a position, I was just telling people what to do all the time. So when you came down to like doing the, the interview portion or, you know, asking for certain things like we needed to move or we needed to do this again, or we needed to, um, so that, that really helped me, you know, not being scared to direct people. Right. Um, and that's what I saw was a missing piece when I would like, cause I had other people, some people ask me, maybe some friends that had done some video stuff and, you know, where, and that's what I saw. They just kind of felt like they were a little bit shy about really trying to get to that image that they were looking for. Uh, felt like there were limitations put on them by other people. Um, and I saw that being very important and just being, like I said, just refusing to, to settle. I mean, I would just, I just, I, I know I wanted that image and I wanted this, to, you know, production quality and I wanted, and, and really the details, right? That's where, where the beauty was in the details and just, just studying and studying and just kind of being, you know, <laughs> just forward go, right? Just a constant um, trying to achieve that. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think just pushing yourself is always, always, um, you know, the best way to, to, to approach pr anything really, you know, pushing yourself for the best possible result. I guess I have one question just, yeah. just from my own experience, like, you know, you're, you're not always given the ability or the tools or the time, uh, to, to push yourself and really like, you know, get go the extra mile to, to make it really what you want it to be, you know, based off of client restriction or whatever. Is there a time where you were restricted by your timing or your, your client or the, 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 the logistics of, of the video that you're trying to shoot? And like, what was a way that you were able to overcome that? Um, <laughs> there's one particular so i'll put this out there i don't know if this is what you're looking for i but I, but i remember specifically there was a time where i had this beautiful uh video in mind and the clients uh we show up and what he wanted he just kind of completely changed his mind and said you know i know we talked about this but this is what i want to do uh and it was inside of a building doing um and it, with his products and I won't go into much detail about him and the product, but it's, it was literally in the worst looking building and, and the way the products were set up, the light was absolutely terrible. They were like, it was a showroom floor. So there, there, the products could not be moved. There was no way outside. There was nothing. Um, and he wanted like a million dollar production for, you know, I mean, peanuts. And so it was just, we, I had a couple other people there. We were, we had a tight timeline. And so we had another project following just a day or two after. So there was no wiggle room. And so we, I just like, okay. And so I shot it. Um, and we actually used some, some VFX. Like that was one of the times we shot that. And it may not be helpful for the camera, but what I did, what I think, what I think was important is knowing that was to try like one thing, one thing I'll say, I know about, like I get a lot of comments about is, is close-ups. And so I see a lot of, as I've seen a lot of people that get these wider shots, get these medium shots. And I've been able to escape a lot of those moments with close-ups um, and getting the right kind of close-up in the right angle, because it'll, it, you know, you can tell a story really well with close-ups in extreme close-ups. Like I, I've actually, again, I've taught some other people with cinematography and they say, well, I tell them get close. And it's like, it's still like a medium shot. Like, no, get really close, um, focus on details. 
And so that was one of the ways between just doing some some background stuff uh, with you know with it's like a green screen, but then but or just kind of editing some of the stuff out, the ugly stuff. But the other thing was just really how we shot it was close uh, and, and and telling the story that way. And was the client okay with that in the end, getting really close? Because I've had cli- like literally like I had a couple clients before who would get really annoyed with me if I had my shot in too tight. Like, you know, even if I was like, you know, a little bit tighter than head and shoulders, they'd be like, oh my God, that's too tight. But if, you know, I had to be like, they wanted like chest down, you know, or, or hmm. even more, you know? Uh, but I guess your client didn't have a, like, liked it in the end. They weren't, they didn't have a problem. Yeah. It was funny. Like he thought it was, I mean, not, at the end we were, we were, I was like, you know, one of those things you're kind of biting your nails. I mean, it's cause it was like left field from where, I was comfortable, right? As far as what my deliverable, giving it to him. This is not something really normally I produce. Uh, it's just dealing with the best we could. And he's like, oh, I love this. This is fantastic. And so we were just kind of like, woohoo, and ran out the door. <laughs> I mean, you know, but um, but I think just to clarify, I don't know if you're referring to like interview, because we didn't, this is, um, it wasn't an interview uh, this session. So it was, it was a model you know, using his products and um, so we just shot it um, that way. So it was a lot of detail oh, nice. shots that we put together in an edit uh, yeah. versus. But I, but I also I am, I am also someone who would tend to be tighter, or really tight on interview shots as well. Um, you know, I've shot some pretty pretty daring at times, really really short depth of field, focusing just on the eyes, or you know, sometimes it's just really really close. Uh, but again, like dealing with some of those background stuff or locational things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I think I I could ask, talk more about video production with you because this is what I do every day too. Um, but uh, but let's get onto the stock footage stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. How did you discover stock footage for the first time? Yeah, so good question. Here, you know, we're I'm producing, we're producing these videos, and again, as I mentioned before, I was like, okay, um, you know, I'm st- it's still not making me like money residually, right? I was trying to figure out because I was oh, working you mean you hard. get paid once, but that's it, right? Right. And so we, that's one of the reasons I loved about doing websites is we would maintain the websites and there's this residual model. But then I realized how much of a pain websites can be. I mean, they can really, really be a pain with servers going down and clients and, you know, just, it's just something you have to keep on top of all the time. And so I just thought, man, this is not what I want. So I, I remember I was in the gym again here because I was still kind of, I was just for like a, about six months which is way too small. I was crazy. I was I was just a trainer for six more months while starting this company. I just, you know, I should have gave myself a year or two to really get this off the ground, but it was like, no, six months. Um, but I was in the gym again here, and I remember reading on a, on, on a post about, um, you know, I, I typed in, I think it was like video residual or something, like just trying to search and see if there was anything out there. And that's where this blog post came up about stock photos. And then, then I got into, um, and, I, and, I, and it was about Yuri. I can't remember how to pronounce his last name, but he's one of the high, he's the highest paid stock contributor like ever. And so they, there was an interview on him. And so I thought, wait a minute, what is this? And so that's when I went home, um, researched it more. I thought, this is, this is, I think this is, I want to try this. So I called this guy that worked on me, my first, very first project. He actually owned uh, a gym. And I said, hey, let's try this. And so we went and shot uh, one of these girls lifting weights. And I put it up, um, I think the first thing we put, yeah, I put it up on Pond 5, like uh, just this little batch. And I'll never forget, 
uh, when I got home and it was only a, like a few days late because I read up on like the expectations like don't like nothing will sell for your first you know six months or you won't make any money for a year <laughs> right so I was like totally like okay well just see you know and it was like a few days I mean a few days later I think after the things uh, there was a sale and it was like 25 bucks I made and I and I it for me though it was like it was like somebody just gave me a million dollars because for me it was the it was really the, the um the reassurance that this works like this works and so the fact that i got paid and i was like okay boom so i that right. was if i really... can scale this up from right 25 dollars times hundreds of clips yes. this could actually be a business model yes yeah and so that's where it started and so then it was just all about okay and so then it was you know trying to find other people that were doing that and then learning um and so when i started and just started taking some of the project files and like uploading them and um and then not too long after that um I saw I saw this ad for this thing for Dissolve, and so I actually called. This is Dissolve, and they're very, they were just starting. And actually, it was interesting because I talked, called, and and I got the owner, uh, and was like, hey, you know. And so I, I don't I don't know what their phone what what happened there, but it, it was it was really cool for a second because I was talking to him and said, he talked how you just got out of this other eight, um, sold this other company and started Dissolve, and I was like, well, I'm really interested because what I saw. You guys, is it like with the way I was shooting, the way I liked this natural light, the cinematic feel? That was not what stock was. In, that's in not, the stock yeah, world. that's not what Pond 5 looks like. That's not what right. Getty or Corbis looks like. Right. That's what makes these new stock sites that are coming up, like Film right. Supply and Dissolve, special right. is that they look filmic and they look natural and authentic and they're beautiful. Yep. I mean, anyone who hasn't seen any of Vinny's shots, go check them out because they are really, really beautiful shot so if oh, you're thinking well, you. flat lighting stock footage that's not what he does at all it's really beautiful yeah well appreciate that well so that's that's what attracted me so much because so, i saw a couple of their ads and i thought man this this seems like more of the style i'm, tr I'm trying to create you know because i wanted i wanted to upload like this b-roll narrative b-roll and i thought this is you know this is not going to sell right um and so that's where we had this conversation well then you know, uh, at the time, uh, was one of their guys calls me and we have this conversation about it. And I just, I just, and I also realized real quick, cause I studied the model and I thought, man, you know, that's, that's the big question is what to shoot. Right. And that's where I saw was, is there any agency out there that's willing to work with their contributors, you know, more closely, uh, on, because what I, what I kind of felt like I, I sent a, uh, sent a couple companies an email and I didn't, I didn't hear anything back. I mean, they're just, they're huge. Right. So like, you know, you have like Getty, and other things, they're, they're, they don't have the, the time or resources to deal with people individually. And so, so that was, I mean, I understood that, but at the same time, I saw the value in a company, a stock company working with their contributors as a relationship and how it worked for everybody. Because, so that's, that's when the conversation we had with Dissolve and I said, man, this is, this is, this is amazing, right? This company. And, um, and so that's where really I started to really try to invest my time and energy into creating uh, things for Dissolve. Um, and just have never regretted it. I mean, it's just been an amazing relationship since. And so, you know, and then learning their model um, with the, with the liftoff program and things. So that's kind of how it started. Really. What is the liftoff program? Liftoff is a program that Dissolve has where you can, a filmmaker can upload, um, like let's say you just have a bunch of footage sitting on your hard drive um, that was from a project um, or you go out and decide you want to do a stock shoot and you just shoot a bunch of stuff. Well, you don't need to edit or color or anything. It's just raw delivery. You can upload it straight to their site. 
um, and then or send it to them in a hard drive if it's a, you know it's a lot a lot of footage and they will edit uh, they will color it and then they will also keyword it and that's that's the other thing I found that I real quick did not like I was like oh man I go shoot this stuff and I got to sit here for like two days like putting these keywords and titles and this really repetitive really kind of monotonous work and so that's when when they offered and I talked about the liftoff program I was always all about it gotcha so they do all the organization for you you just have to focus on shooting it that's right. That's yeah, and that's amazing. the beauty. I mean, so that's for somebody who's considering it. I think that's a lot of the drawback too, or, or the what turns people off is they think they've got to go do all of those things. And now you can because you know that it's if you want your footage to be out there non-exclusively on, on multiple sites, um, you can. It's just there. There is a lot of that upfront work that I think for myself I found what was happening is I would say, okay, well I'm going to put this out there, but then like I kept like the keywording or getting releases or whatever was always getting put off and then the footage would just never go online, right? And so by just being able to upload straight to the site or just be able to send the footage that would go on, they would take care of it and I'm off doing something else um, and or planning the next shoot, you know, so. So you focused on shooting for Dissolve for 18 months? Yeah, so I, uh, after, it took a little time, right? My, it was, you know, it was a couple of years or more. I, I, I honestly don't know the exact timeline, but to get to a point where mm -hmm. just keep building and keep building. And then um, what had happened when I was, I was invited, as I mentioned, to go back to New York and I was back there and had shot some, had went on and just decided, you know, I'm just going to do a full day, just try this out and just did a shoot with a couple there in New York Um and then I had done another uh, another uh, shoot right before I had left, and the video kind of did real well. And Vimeo got out there and Dissolve saw it, and so they called and said, you know, we would like this footage exclusively, and so explained what that meant. And and so you know that's kind of where this relationship started. And so after doing those those couple shoots, it started. They started. They did really well. Um, and I learned kind of what was what where you know what people agencies were looking for. Um, what Zal was looking for and just kind of keep was trying to you know get closer and closer refining the craft of the storytelling within a stock footage uh, format um, and that's that's where we just started taking off so it, it, even after that point it took a little it took a little time a year but just kept building and building and you know getting your collection bigger to the point where you know it could support uh, support my wife and I and then I uh, just took it on full time and just tried to shoot as much as possible. Um, like I remember we went on our honeymoon and <laughs> kind of, it's just funny because it's the amazing thing about stock footage. You're just like, we, we go on this incredible trip and this hike and we take a drone up on, the, on our last day of our honeymoon. And we shot these, these shots of, of this incredible, like this glacier lake area. And we're, so I was literally working at the same time. You'd never know it. Right. And the footage from we've shot from there's end up paid for our honeymoon. So, so it's just like, that's, that's the beautiful thing about stock footage is that you, you know, you can, you can do, you can live your life, but also have and have fun and not interfere with that, but also be able to potentially make money from it. And so that's kind of that's what we was trying to, yeah. So it's kind of trying to capture that as much as possible. Um, for a while, and then when we relocated to Seattle, the decision is to make you know is to go back and focus on production and and still use you still use the stock, still do it, um, but you know just kind of go back and forth between them. So for the that time that you were focused on stock, like did you set up shoots with models, and did you 
travel to places specifically to shoot stuff or did you just you know or get footage based off of things that you're already doing so yeah that's um that's what i transitioned to so like when i would do that was the other thing i you know that i thought was really important for anybody that does have a production company as a filmmaker right now was um was recommended to me by dissolve hey put it in your contract that give them as a first option, like any, any production you do. Um, and so what I even do is I work with, and it actually it has really worked in my favor with my productions is I could, because it makes a lot of sense if clients help them out on the budget a little bit, if they're able to be willing to license or give the ownership of their footage to me, um, and be able to sign all the releases. So that's, you know, that's, that's something for them, you know, it helps them out, but it's also good for me for the long run. So doing that with the productions that I would do, uh, really helped out, but uh, in the interim, what my you know kind of week looked like would, but yeah, I would be around. And the one thing that I saw, real quick, because the the girl that I had shot, it was her name's it was Lauren was the film, and you can see that on Dissolve as one of the show reels. Uh, she had never done modeling before. I saw she had a great look, and um, but what was very interesting is I had worked one time. I had hired. She said she was, you know, she had already done some modeling and it was not the right feel. Like again, dissolve and what I was trying to, was the, the whole feel was authentic, right? Was real, was like, it's like you're having a conversation with someone through imagery. And when someone's trained, that's not what the industry was really trained for, right? So these models and these actresses, they're very, it's a little bit overdone. And so I saw that I wanted real people doing real things. I mean, when you, have somebody who can really play basketball, right? That is completely different than a model who has a good look trying to learn how to play basketball or right, try to do it right, like somebody right. else. And so that's what it ended up happening as I saw where I would I would be out in the public and I would see somebody and I've just never been shy. And so approaching people um, or like if I needed basketball shots, I went to this, some guys, you know, who playing ball and said, hey, you know, um, this is what's going on. You guys want to be in a, potentially be in a commercial, <laughs> you know? So, and, and it's, it's interesting because <laughs> a like lot that. of people, yeah, I mean, you know, so, so the thing, and then that's actually what ended up happening. I mean, I've, there's stuff that's, it's been, it's been pretty amazing to see um, this, this stuff that I shot with this girl. I mean, I never had any idea where I was going to go, but Lauren ended up like Bath and Body Works, the national commercial. Um, it's been a lot of different, you know, commercials on, I, I shot stuff with my wife, uh, you know, we were just going to know each other. Um, but it's been all over. It was, she was on TV a few times uh, in commercials on ABC, user clip. Um, just had no idea, right, where this stuff's going to end up. And so, um, so that's what I saw. So that was that, you know, pe real people doing real things. That's kind of what I've tried to approach it as. And so, you know, I would, I would go out and just find people or, uh, and then do the shoots. So then go back, do the, you know, do the work I needed to do, uh, put it up online. Um, and just keep, and keep kind of going with that, you know, keep close contact with, with, uh, what needed to be shot, um, studying that, you know, again, this all was great and uh, having this good relationship and kind of providing me some things here and there as we grew. And so, yeah, we would go to certain places like I did a shoot with a couple on a beach. Um, and he was actually a guy I worked with in the, one of the first big shoots I did real, I would call real stock shoots, you know, and uh, so I kind of kept working with him a little bit. He had a great look, great guy. And so him and his girlfriend went and shot a you know, shoot with them. And so just kind of kept working off of those pieces. And, um, and then when we would travel, just trying to take the best, use the best advantage of this type of content. Um, 
were there certain types of clips that dissolve steered you in a direction like we were missing this kind of thing from our collection or yeah. just things that you were saw were selling really well so you, you kind of focused your energies in those directions like how did you kind of i guess prioritize what you were shooting in order to make the maximum amount of money yeah so good question it's actually a combination of both um, so what's nice, like if you go on, if you once you become a contributor with Dissolve, they have on the website, right on the left-hand column on, on your on your dashboard, contributor dashboard, you know, they have they have a get starting guide. They have like what what to shoot. I mean, they give you a really pretty detailed list of things, um, and also they they also have another directory of, or I should say, a collection of clips that they've curated, highly curated to say clips that we love. And so you know why do they let I me mean, kind of so if you're if you're really kind of paying attention and analyzing the correct way, you can see it was the way it was shot. It was it was the type of model, perhaps it was, you know. And and so between those two things, the other thing was I just studied my sales. And um, as being a personal trainer, what was interesting. What I saw was my um, I love doing fitness footage. Well, I well that, that in the very first uh, shoot that I did, as I mentioned, was in a gym. Well, I did a couple others and just loved doing that. But the little bit I realized that was for me. What was was a large majority of, of sales was coming from fitness, and it, it makes sense because fitness is an is a is a industry that constantly needs video, right? It's an audio visual type thing um, to motivate people or whatever. And so, so that's between those two, I just kept shooting uh, and trying to add to those um, to those different um, what do you say channels of of content. Ah, uh, gotcha. So in a case like. You're walking down the street and you see some guys playing basketball and you're like, oh man, that would be great just to capture real people playing basketball. How, you approach them and you say, hey, can I shoot you? Do you also have like paper releases for them to sign? Yeah, so there's uh, an app, uh, Easy Release. That's been a lifesaver. Before Easy Release, it was such a pain because that is something that also limits, I think, a lot of filmmakers because they get all excited, they hear about stock footage, they upload all this footage or send footage on a hard drive and dissolves or they'll be like, hey, where's your releases? What releases, right? So, <laughs> right. so and then, then the footage can't be used. Um, and so the so Easy Release is an app that you can put on my iPad or iPhone and that's what's been a lifesaver. So you can go up and literally, you can show them, you know, here, here's the terms, explain to them. Um, so I just always, you know, I always try to be, make sure people are well informed, right? This is where it could end up. Yeah. This is this is my site. This is about me, you know. So here's it, and then have them read through it, and then they just can sign right there, and it creates a PDF. Um, so that that's the biggest. That's thing. That's cool. You, so you can like yeah. take a picture with the app, and then have them yep. read it, and they sign it, yep. and I guess yep. put their email and phone number in there and yep. all that. And then yeah, do an you awesome pay app. them anything? Do you give them cash? Yeah, so like, and it, it depends. I mean, some people are, are super happy with like just doing it. Uh, and so obviously I try to take it, I don't, I don't try to take advantage of people, but I take advantage of the situation. Um, it's, but you know, and, and then of course I, I value people's time. And, and so if I'm really asking to go out of their way or do something, then of course, yeah, we'll try to compensate them. But I've also, some people have um, been, been like I, what we did with the uh, first girl that I, we, we shot on the beach. We did, I just did family photos for her family, and she was happy with doing that. And and some um, who are trying to get started in modeling, that's one thing I've started to do, uh, is is be able to help them. So I give them some of the footage or some photos or something, and they're happy with that. Um, but again, it's you know if they if they like compensation, and uh, I know it would be good, then then of course you know to compensate people. Cool. One sound note: your mic is rubbing up against something, so if you can hold oh, it away goodness. from. Your 
You're I'm such an and such an amateur at this. It's so <laughs> terrible. Oh, no, don't worry. Yours is way better than a lot. Um, so on the financial end, what can a filmmaker expect to get paid per clip? I'm sure that there's like a range, and it depends on which site you're on. But what right. if somebody was to try to calculate what what they could make as a business? What would you give them as kind of a a fair range for a stock clip? Sure. Yeah. So the clips, you know, in stock, and we'll just kind of talk more general here, not specific to dissolve is that uh, will range, you know, a lot of it, it, like some sites, you can kind of set your own price. So like Pond5 is an example, or some other some other sites and some other sites set your like, like dissolve, have a preset uh, pay scale or, or, or uh, um, an item scale already. Um, so that, you know, from anywhere from, uh, you know, $100, I think about uh, clip $79. Uh, is a lower end for like an HD uh, 1080 clip uh, up to upwards of, you know, $500 uh, for a 4K exclusive clip. Um, and exclusivity, you know, for the, for the client is, is good because that means that the, the you know, it hasn't been used in, in thousands of commercials already. So it adds kind of this credibility to their production. Right. Um, so, so they'll spend you, a little extra right. to make sure that they get a right. clip that no one else is using. Yeah, and that, I think that's a good thing to kind of weigh out too when you're considering doing this, um, how much you want to do that. And that's I, I found that it worked with Dissolve. It's worked very well. Um, so as far as, um, and then you, you you look at that and, and a lot, most, most you know, uh, splits range from, you know, 25 or 35 to up to 50%, uh, depending on the site um, for, okay. for, you know, for commission split. And then um, how is the money distributed to you? Is it on a, a weekly, monthly yearly basis no so it's monthly and uh it's via, via paypal so it's uh it's pretty simple pretty straightforward you know you just get an email you've been paid so <laughs> it's one of my favorite things about it so do That's you get really paid cool. per clip or do you get paid per usage of clip uh, good question so mostly what my all my collection has dealt in is uh, royalty free and and royalty free is the newest model in uh, well, not maybe the newest, but latest, you know, here a few years ago launched because that, that means per clip where there's also, it's called rights managed and rights managed can be more so along the lines of, of a certain duration or a certain usage. Um, so there's different models within stock uh, uh, footage um, to be able to, you know, you can, and, it, and sometimes it depends on the agency or the, or the company, what they have available or, and what they recommend too for the type of clips that you're, that you're doing. I'm always looking for royalty free because it's the cheapest. Yeah, well, and it's it's yeah, it's nice because then for the for the client you don't have to worry about it. But it what I also like about um, that, well, I just I just like the idea. For me, it's you know you have this if this kind of paint this picture. So you have inventory like at a store, right? Where if you have your certain number of products on a shelf, I mean, this is the other thing that really turned me on to stock footage. Is where else in the world can if you went and bought a product, if a customer buys a product where the product basically would like regenerate itself, I mean, it's still there to buy again. And that's what's so amazing is you can have one clip uh, sell hundreds, you know, maybe even upwards of thousands of times. I mean, that's, that's like you're on the other end of the spectrum. That's, that's pretty rare. However, that is possible. Um, and so having a, a collection, knowing that you have a collection that can do that, each individual clip can be sold multiple times it's not like it's just somebody buys it and it goes away and i think that's another thing that's really it's really pretty awesome uh your footage can keep working for you for you know for long time after you've after you've shot it 
100%. And so, so kind of to answer your question, you know, it's it really, uh, I think more directly to answer your question, uh, it, stock is one of those things that you, it, you get paid on what you put into it. Um, and so, but again, realizing that, um, you know, if you do it, if you do it right, you do it consistently, um, that it, I mean, it can support someone. And, and I know that there's, there's just giving an idea. There's, you know, if you think about having a collection, well, how many clips do people have in the collection? And I think mine's, you know, somewhere around 3,800 on Dissolve right now, exclusive and, uh, or, or, and so if you, but there's some that have 10,000, you know, 20,000, 30,000, I mean, upwards to a hundred thousand clips in your collection. Wow. Um, to, yeah. That, which, so, so if you think about the dollar amount that's potentially there, and again, that's a different thing, but it just, I mean, that's the upper end, but it gives someone an idea of where you can go. Um, and that's, what's so beautiful about it. You're, it's just like, it's like, Hey, I want to go shoot 20 clips today. Well, okay, great. Like there's no, no one saying you can't do that. There's no one saying, um, you know, the other thing I think that's just revolutionary about stock footage, it doesn't cost anything to upload. So what you're, what you're really paying for is you're paying for whether if you're renting a location, paying the model or just your time, um, you know, that's what you're paying for, right? So you don't, so, and the split obviously is, is from, you know, like this company like Dissolve does the marketing, does all of the other legwork. Um, and so you just, again, go shoot, upload it. If it sells, everybody wins. If it doesn't, you don't lose anything, um, but the time or expense. So yeah. and that's another beautiful thing, I think. How long has it been since you shot stock footage or are you still shooting it now? No, still shooting it, still shooting it. I, I know <laughs> this all's probably wondering where, but, but like for what I've done now, like because we're doing more productions, uh, like we'll, we'll go back and forth to New York. Uh, so I just, I just shot some here a couple days ago. I went out, just took a camera and just shot some stuff around here in Seattle, um, have some shoots uh, planned. Uh, we've just been busy with productions. And so, and again, I'm all these productions, uh, like we're doing a, a project on a chef right now kind of a documentary slash this project. And so like there's, there's footage we'll be using from that project for stock. And so technically I've been shooting quite a bit lately. It just hasn't been really compiling it and putting, be uploading it. Um, but then like what, what I've done is I've taken trips you know, a couple times a year. Um, my wife's from New York. We, like I said, we back there. So we kind of have another base there, production base, and we'll go and just shoot, you know, consecutively. We just went and shot for five weeks. Um, and also did a couple of, like I did a passion project and, Worked with a lot of great, amazing people there uh, in New York, and oh, so tell us about your passion project. Is it a, a narrative piece? Um, actually, yeah. It's, so it was called "I Am Powerful." Um, it was it was based on um, it was based on a, a thing for you know just for women. Like there's that's a, that's a big thing that's going on right now. A lot of agencies are asking for for so it was like a little little bit of a couple tiered idea was, you know, to put it out there, um, for the footage. But then after I started shooting the footage and realizing we got cut this concept of putting, you know, using a sign. So, uh, we've put it up on the, on my site there and it's, it was, it was great. It was just, it was awesome to find you know, people are willing, uh, to participate and also be, you know, stock footage models. So that was, um, oh, cool. exciting. All right. You have any other questions about this stuff? I just, you know, going back to the payment thing, like, so you upload a clip, you don't they don't pay you, but then you get paid every download that that happens from now into to until infinity for that clip, and then you and um and dissolve have a split just depending on the type of clip it is. That's yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Cool. Now I just want to make clear on that. Um, but do you find that you're still getting paid for clips that you uploaded, like 
some of the first ones you ever did with them. Uh, can you see which clips are making you money when you get your report in every month or like, how does it all work? Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, and so to answer your question, yes. And again, that's what I mentioned about the most beautiful thing. There's stuff I've shot, you know, four years ago that is, is still selling here and there. And, and you know, that's when I, I ha and I'm kind of a spreadsheet geek. And so like, you know, I look at like, Hey, look at, <laughs> look at the time I put into this and look at how much it's paid me over four years. And that's a really, really high hourly rate. You know, it definitely beats any production you can do, at least, at least for, you know, what these clips have produced for me. And so, um, and so how, yeah, so how it works, you, like I said, you upload and then depending on the, it's like for dissolve or, or, you know, you'll get a weekly report. Um, it shows how many clips have sold. And then like when you, at the, when they pay you, you'll get a report on, on your, on your um, dashboard, you'll be able to log in and be able to see all of the clips that have sold. Um, and some, some do it, you know, live, um, uh, right there, you know, you, you, if you have a clip sold, you can go and log in and see it, which one is sold. So you can kind of keep track that nice. way. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. No, I, I think I, I'm, I'm good on questions. I was I just wanted to like, you really get the, the clear answer to the, I know you answered it, but I just wanted it like capsulized, you know, just so people can understand. And I mean, for yeah. me too, cause like, this is something I've been ever since that we uh, brought dissolve on, I've been like, I should be doing this. I should be uploading my footage. <laughs> right. But I just haven't done it yet. So, <laughs> you know, well, I have, to, I have uh, two questions and one of them dovetails with what you're saying Ulrich is like, I think most people listening to this podcast are not going to go out and become full-time stock footage makers but do you think that it's worth it for people that are just making Ulrich works a lot as crew in various positions he's a producer sometimes he's a director he writes mm -hmm. he edits he you know he'll do script supervisor sometimes but when he has the opportunity should he be uploading it or can you only make money if you're a hundred percent on it no, that's no, absolutely. That's we just mentioned. So if you kind of take some of the th things that I've talked about, put it together, you're basically talking about a model that you could shoot one clip. Um, I mean, in, in theory, right, you could upload it. If that's what agencies are looking for, you can get paid on that. Not just once, twice, uh, over a hundred times. So you don't um, need a, a library with thousands of clips. If you just had like 10 really good clips, you could still be making some good money. You could. Now, is that really what you look out there and you see in the industry? Not, I mean, no. I mean, it really, because again, if you see it as it is, is that the more clips that you shoot and upload and have online, the bigger catalog you have, it's just a greater potential of getting paid. And that to me is what's so motivating. It's just like, again, I don't see a model where it's like that. I mean, you, you, you just, so if you're working full time, and you've already shot this footage. This is what I tell people. Like, you, you know how to use a camera. You've already shot the footage. Why not do it, right? Because, again, it would make, it would make sense to me. People would be really apprehensive or have to weigh it out if it was going to cost them, an, like, you know, an investment every time they uploaded a clip. Right. And it's just not the case, right? So, so you, you, you're working and you have these clips. You, you get releases. And you go and you upload it. I mean, especially like with a model like Dissolve has with the with the liftoff program. Or if you want to be, you know, put it out to diversify it more and you have a little time uh, to put it on there. Again, it's one of those things where you have to think of it as if I do something now and I put it up there, I can just let it live online. And, and if it sells, bonus, right? That's something money I would have not made otherwise. Um, and you don't have to maintain it. I mean, that's... That to me is how I look at it. So, so even if you just do it part time and you can scale it as you want, I mean, again, there's no 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 agency's going to call you and tell you like, listen, you can you need to upload more clips. That's the other thing that I think maybe people don't realize. Um, 
you know, there's no quotas, right? So in my right. is like with agencies, they're not going to delete your account if you don't have a certain number of clips. So in theory, again, yeah, it could be 10 clips. Um, you know, yeah, are you going to get paid off of those? Now, it might be, but because again, the material, uh, but you know, you just, why, why not have like more clips to choose from so that- The more, the it, better. The, it really is. Yeah, gotcha. just your chances of getting paid. Because when somebody's on there, you have to think about the customer to client. They're logging on, they're looking at all these clips, they search something. Um, that's one thing I had to get past too, because I kept thinking about I'm trying to create this certain style like in production. That's one thing I felt like people that have production companies that maybe they struggle with a little bit. They go over and they, they think about because their name is on it, like on every production, right? You guys understand that. Every mm-hmm. production, your name is on it. Well, in stock footage, it's a little different because they're kind of going by the clip itself. And maybe after a company sees and buys your stuff more than once, do they start to get the idea, oh, this is this is a guy we like to buy from. But really, in, in the initial part, and most people that come in, the, the, the interaction is just on that site with what the content looks like. Right. And so right. so it's just about, it's just understanding that you putting the content up there, not worrying about your name, like paying more, you know, and just and just letting it letting it, you know, work for you, right? That's that's what I think is the beautiful thing. And and again, like I was mentioning before, I, I mean I shot some footage of my honeymoon, like without disrupting the the flow. And so if you can do something like that uh, when you're having fun, you know, you have some friends go to the beach and they're willing to be models, like they sign releases, and you guys, you know, have a great time. Like, then you could you could make, you know, let's say even if you make a couple hundred dollars from that, right? I mean, that paid for all the beer and <laughs> and whatever. I mean, but <laughs> right. but and and I'll be but I'll be serious just to give you a, because this is kind of the questions you guys asked. Uh, there there are shoots like that that could produce even thousands. You know, you're talking like if it's the right kind of content, it can produce thousands of dollars over a period of a, of a few years. Um, so it's nothing. It's nothing to laugh at. Really, it's a beautiful model, and it's for anybody again that knows what they're doing and uses a camera. It's just like why, why not, right? Well, awesome. Um, thanks so much for coming on, Vinny. Before we go, I know you talked about starting some sort of workshop for people that are interested in, in pursuing this. Yeah, so I, unfortunately, I was hoping it was going to be launched uh, now, but due to the move and everything is, is kind of prevented. But in the interim, uh, I'm you know offering to work with people. I've worked with some in the past here who have uh, messaged me want to get started. But uh, And so I kind of cover and we kind of do some online sessions of just um, so how to work with models, uh, what I've learned, uh, what, what models to use, uh, locations, uh, certain angles, content to shoot. Um, and also once you, know, you, you make sales handle, analyze those. We talk, talk about diversifying your content, um, kind of looking at it uh, in a way of investment. And so, and then looking, so looking at analytics and, and really, you know, kind of helping you see those, how to teach. So, so just kind of covering the main aspects and like the mistakes I've made, also the things I've learned. Um, so that's kind of what I try to cover with people. And so if someone's interested, they can, I'd be happy to help, uh, you know, and to, and to work with them. Uh, you can just drop me a line on the, on the website. So my site's uh, cinevfilm.com and, uh, or you can, they can DM me on Instagram too, which is my handle is cinev uh, underscore. So C I N E underscore V. And I'd be happy to, to chat with them there too, if that's of interest. Awesome. And then when you do get your workshop up, let us know and we can, we'll blast it out. We'll tell people Absolutely. about it. Absolutely. No, that'd be awesome. Cool. Yeah. And then people should go check out dissolve.com slash Vinny too, to see that video I talked about earlier. Cause it's really cool. I saw it and I was like, wow, that's, that's the life of a stock photographer seems amazing. <laughs> 
Yeah. It, it, I mean, it, 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 it really, yeah, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. And that's, I mean, I think the greatest thing about it is you get to pick your stories, you get to pick your content. And like the, the other thing I didn't ever mention about it is that you have, you really have no clients. Like you're, I mean, obviously you want stuff to sell, so you're going to shoot certain things, but that's the beautiful thing. I mean, you go out, you can be creative, you can do what you'd like and have fun and meet amazing people and, and ha- you know, again, upload it and have it work for you. So it's that's awesome. It's great. Well, thanks yeah. for coming on and, and sharing your story. I think it's a, it's an interesting angle. We have not heard about this from anyone. And, you know, we're constantly struggling to try to figure out how to make money from our filmmaking. And this is just another way to do it. And uh, yeah, I hope there's some people out there that got some use out of it. So thanks again, Vinny, and, and thanks, Ulrich. Um, and everyone, thanks for listening. If you want to get in contact with us, send us an email to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com or visit our website, makingmoviesishard.com, where you'll find links to the things we talked about in this episode, including Vinny's website and Instagram account. And then uh, find Ulrich and I uh, with the handle at MMIH Podcast on Twitter and Facebook, too. Um, and don't forget to check out our indie filmmakers group on Facebook. There's a lot of cool conversations happening on there. So everyone go and join that. And that's it. That's it for this week. Thanks guys. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity to have me on. All right, everyone have a good week.